0: So it's autumn, a time for harvest festivals and family reunions. And if you're planning on getting together with your family, you should protect yourself and them by getting an updated COVID vaccine. If you are 50 or older, you are at greater risk for hospitalization and death, especially if you have a chronic disease. So get an updated vaccine now. Need more information? Talk to a doctor. Find updated COVID vaccines at vaccines.gov. We can do this paid for by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services.
1: Hey guys, welcome to the Asian Hustle Network podcast. My name is Brian.
0: And my name is Maggie.
1: And we interview Asian entrepreneurs around the world to amplify their voices and empower Asians to pursue their dreams and goals.
0: We believe that each person has a message and a unique story from their entrepreneurial journey that they can share with all of us. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Asian Hustle Network podcast. Today, we have a very special guest with us. His name is Leo Chan. Leo, he was sought after by major companies and with over 20 years of experience in the world of innovation and creativity, Leo has inspired and coached innovators with his magical ability to unleash innovative ideas and practices that guide leaders to stay ahead of the competition. Leo is the founder of Abound Innovation, Inc., former senior innovation lead at Chick-fil-A, and former innovator at State Farm Insurance, he's harnessed his unique skill sets as an expert in innovation and creativity to both identify and raise up future innovators. Leo understands that a culture that empowers and trains innovators can create a thriving atmosphere for dynamic work with exponential impact. Leo lives in Toronto, Canada, and holds a B. Does in. MTS. He's a licensed trainer of LEGO Serious Play methods and certified LEGO Serious Play facilitator. Leo, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks, Maggie. It's uh, it's really wonderful to be here. I'm really excited to be here today.
0: Yeah, we're very excited to listen to your story today. So, Leo, tell us what was your upbringing like? Where were you born and raised? And just tell us a little bit about you know your childhood.
1: Yeah, so I was actually born in California, but I my family moved me to Canada when I was one. So I grew up actually in a is it interesting so i'm a I'm, I'm chinese i grew up in a very caucasian kind of city so i grew up as a minority and then toronto if you don't know toronto it's a very diverse city but there's a lot of asians here so i became majority so it's this is kind of interesting in my story but just sort of being minority and majority the minority and all this kind of stuff it's been interesting i grew up watching like star trek so i've always been curious about the future and like loving technology and just thinking it's a really interesting thing and so i've always had this i don't know i think star trek is actually very inspirational because they've created ideas and possibilities that like we we didn't consider and i think that honestly that has a lot to do with where i am today about being in a in a in a in a role that's around creating the future so i think star trek for getting me to where i am today
0: <laughs> oh wow that's amazing i actually haven't watched star trek so maybe i should jump on it and you it's, know pick uh, up on some innovation skill sets.
1: It is. The the intro actually for Star Trek, I think is quite inspirational because it's like about going boldly into the future where no one's gone before and like exploring new worlds and possibilities. I mean, that's exactly what innovation is all about. So right, absolutely. <laughs> watch a Star Trek. Go watch a Star Trek.
0: <laughs> yeah, I definitely will. <laughs> so as a child, you know, did you always know that you were going to become an entrepreneur? Because, you know, I feel like some people do have that, you know, kind of creativity, they they know exactly that they're going to be an entrepreneur at a young age, but some people don't know that and they just kind of transition into their way to become an entrepreneur. So what was it like for you?
1: Yeah, no, I no, didn't ever think I'd be an entrepreneur ever. I guess in some ways my dad was because he's a he's a he's a family doctor, so like he had his own practice. So technically he was an entrepreneur because you know. But I think he had a safer a safer job, if you will. And so actually I didn't even know what I wanted to do when I was going thinking about university. I I grew up when the internet became a thing, so I was actually really fascinated with like websites and just the internet as a whole. And so I thought I'd enter into some sort of thing with computers. That's kind of what I. Thought. Thought, but I, I fell in love with the front side of the websites, the actual design, the graphic design and all that stuff. And so I, I had a long shot where I applied for art school, as uh, design school and, you know, they, they let me come in. <laughs> I, I was successfully placed in design school and, which is a really kind of uncommon thing for an Asian. Cause it's like, you know, there's a stereotype that, you know, art doesn't make money and all that kind of stuff. And my dad being a doctor, Oddly enough, he didn't ask me to follow in his footsteps or tell me to go into sort of traditional Asian sort of role, which is like, be a doctor or an accountant or, you know, whatever that makes lots of money. He's just like, sure, do whatever you want to do. So I ended up in design of all places. And I actually really enjoyed the the creative stuff of it. I I really found that I enjoyed all the dreaming of what could be and then creating something visually of how that could be represented. So I kind of never, I feel like I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I just kind of Of explored what I enjoyed doing. And that kind of led me to where I am today. It was just sort of following my passion around and (laughs) ended up being an entrepreneur.
0: Yeah. Do you think it's because your father knew how hard it was going to be? That's why he didn't want you to follow in his footsteps? Because I feel like a lot of immigrant parents, they tell us, oh, become a doctor, become a lawyer and it's oftentimes they haven't gone through that same route as well so they don't know you know what that experience is like and you know we come to realize you know if we do follow what our parents wanted wanted us to do we're not passionate about it or you know it doesn't make yeah. us happy and so they don't really understand it but do you think it's because your father probably knew how hard it was going to be and that's why he didn't you know force you into that same route
1: no, I I don't think he. We just never talked about it. He was pretty open minded for whatever I wanted to do, which I think is really cool because like a lot of my Asian friends, they're all doctors, and so I think they were suddenly nudged into it. And I I even my next door neighbor actually she she wanted to go into art school. Though actually she wanted to be a teacher, but she knew I was in the creativity side, and so we we'd have these long conversations on our driveway, and but her dad wouldn't. Uh, no, She didn't want if she wanted to be an artist, but her dad forced her to become a teacher because he's like, there's no money in arts. And I remember one day we were standing on our driveway having this conversation. And I was asking like, well, how's it going? She was miserable. Like she was so miserable. And I felt so sad that like she- Here I was the example that she wanted and here she was the example she didn't want, but her dad just couldn't see that, you know, the creative arts could make money. And so, and she was a great artist too. And so I think it was, I was just really fortunate that my dad was really open-minded about that. And he just kind of let me do whatever, like, he just like, yeah, do whatever you want to do, Leo. And didn't force me to, you know, like get a job that makes lots of money per per se. And, you know, and the fact is design at the time, it wasn't a lot of money in it. It was true, but he was like, "Hey, you know, if that's what you want to do, go for it." So yeah. I'm very thankful that he was like that. Yeah,
0: yeah, I love that, and that's that's very rare for Asian families and Asian parents. It you is. know, for your parents to just encourage you to do whatever you want to do. So I would say, you know, like you, you had a very unique experience.
1: Yeah. He, yeah. My, to, honestly, he has no idea what to do today. Just like, <laughs> I, like I, I look at your stuff online, I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, it's okay.
0: <laughs> That's amazing. So you went from a graphic designer and an art director to the founder of Abound Innovation. You're a graphic designer by trade, working at several different companies as a graphic designer and as an art director. And then you started off as a graphic design specialist at State Farm. Mm-hmm. How did you move your way up to become a senior innovation analyst? List. like what was that transition like
1: yeah yeah so i i love so i what i found out about myself is like i really enjoyed like the creative stuff like i really enjoyed going back to star trek creating the future thinking of new possibilities and all that so i found that that was really what i really liked to do and i was i think i was kind of it's like the path led itself in some ways like i i was at state farm i was doing design then there was a restructure two years into the world there's a restructure and they're like hey we'll move our best talent to our headquarters in the u.s And so I'm like, okay, sure. So I threw my name in the hat. And because I was born in the States, I think that probably helped with me getting the role. And so they moved me down to the US. And so literally the year I moved, which was 2012, State Farm launched their State Farm Innovation Team. So it was literally happenstance. I moved in January of 2012. And in March of 2012, I was at a lunch and learn. And I was like, what's this innovation thing? Because I I never, I don't even think I knew what the word meant. I just thought it sounded interesting. So I go to this lunch and learn and they're like, you know, we're creating the future, like creating new products and services for our company. You can dream with us. Hopefully these things go to market. And I was like, I have to join this because I found that this department then infused my love for like creativity and future thinking with technology and execution and business. It was like this smash of everything that I really liked. So I'm like, I am coming over whether you want me or not. And so I I told my boss I was really interested in this department and she actually had a colleague that worked in State Farm Innovation. She's like, I can make a connection. And so what I did was I used my design background and I'm like, I can design stuff for you guys. Like, so all your, when you're going to prototype, when you want visualizations of your ideas, how are people gonna understand what that is? I'm like, I can, let me help be the designer for you. Like absolutely free. And they're like, great. So I got my foot in the door by doing, using my design background. And so anyway, so I used my design background, they got to know me. But then what was really interesting was when it came to interview, the, the, there was this book, there's a book and I would recommend anybody read this. It's called the innovators DNA. And it talks about the five characteristics of innovators. So they did all this research on like top innovators around the world. And they found that there were these certain characteristics of them that were true. And so as I read the book, I literally thought I was reading about myself. I'm like, I do this. Yeah. I'm like, that's me. Like, you know, and so when it went into my interview, I was like, you know, you could try to hire someone and teach them these skills, or you can hire me right now. And I'm already doing them. I'm like, it's up to you. But I'm like, I don't have to become something that you want. I'm like, as a designer, I already think like this. And so it <laughs> was a pretty compelling narrative for them. Like, okay. So I got to join the State Farm Innovation Organization. That's how I transitioned from design into innovation. But I would tell you that there's a lot of things that are honestly the same. Like The, the thinking's the same, the way I, I, I look at the world and all that stuff. It's It's honestly all based on, in my opinion, design.
0: Wow. I mean, that's amazing. I mean, it's 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 crazy to think that you made that transition. It's like I can't even imagine like what went into that like because it was so new for State Farm. Yeah. Sure, it was like it was completely new. You pretty much built the foundation for the innovation department at State Farm. What were some of the things that you did at State Farm to, you know, help come up with these creative ideas and innovation? Yeah.
1: Yeah, so I so we were tasked with coming up with new product ideas and services. So I also whittled my way onto another team at State Farm. So I I was like, I let me just get my foot in the door. And then I'm going to try to strategically position myself to get onto the team I really want to be on. <laughs> so I wanted to be on the, uh, it was called Strategic Foresight. And it was about transportation. So like, what's the future of transportation? Like back then it was like autonomous vehicles. How does that impact insurance? And so it was really thinking about like, what are the, disruptors that may come to the organization in the future and what are ideas and and right now that we can consider now because the way you prepare for the future is to start today and create the narrative to get you there it's not waiting for it to happen it's being proactive and, and so it was really like i was such a geeked out person on technology and cars that i was always watching like I was reading articles on auto blog. Like I did this for fun in my spare time. So like when it finally matched what my work was, like I'm already thinking about it anyway. Now I can actually like think about how we could do this for the company. And so I thought about like, okay, what does it look like? We need to do more research with autonomous vehicles. We need to create partnerships with like universities and we got to do studies and all these things. And it's like, what, what ideas would surface if, this, you know, this autonomous vehicle future happen. We're not even there yet now, but like what would happen? And so I got to dream with others on my team about what that could look like and then create ideas and see if there were pain points that we could kind of anticipate that the future customer would have, you know, like, and so I, I actually was able to patent some of these ideas through State Farm, which was kind of fun around what this could look like, like what, you know, in the future, maybe cars should be like a credit card, right? Your car pulls up to something and then Maybe that maybe it's a payment device as, you know, those kind of things like, you know, things that hadn't happened yet, but we could see it happening with some data. So it was really interesting to be part of that and just to dream the future. But then I, I, so I moved from Toronto, which is a big city to the small town in the U.S. And it's just not a city that has a lot of things going on. And so I realized I fell in love with innovation and that was what I wanted to do, but I wasn't in love with where I live. So I started looking around, even though I was really happy in my role. And so Chick-fil-A Corporate had a position where they were like, instead of you creating innovation for us, we want somebody to make our innovation culture better. And I was like, that sounds cool. I'd love to step into that because like I, I really love helping people be innovative and I love helping training people and equipping them with new skill sets. So I said, that sounds really cool. So I raised my hand and posted and I got the job and they moved me to Atlanta.
0: Oh, wow. Amazing. I mean, I think there is a, you know, a kind of like a rule of thumb here. I was like, if you want to be creative, you constantly have to learn, right? You constantly have to be yeah. curious, and I think that's what I got from what you just said. Like you, yeah. you were already interested in, you know, what State Farm was trying to do, and you were interested in on on autonomous vehicles. And I think that the most important thing is that you are constantly learning, you're constantly curious, and you constantly yeah. want to just, you know, hone in and adopt new skills. And that's the catalyst to become an innovator, right? And I think it's amazing how you know you started being a consultant at at Chick fil A. I understand that you were the catalyst for a thriving culture of innovation at Chick-fil-A. I want want to know as well, what were some of the things that you did at Chick-fil-A to help them stay ahead of their competition?
1: Yeah. it was The job description was really cool. They're like, we want to level up our innovation practice. So, you know, if we're at 1.0 right now, what would 2.0 look like? Like, what's the next step in the journey? What's the evolution look like? And I think because I mean, I have design background now, now here at this point, I've had, you know, like four years at State Farm Innovation. I've seen practice in place. And so I just felt like I could, I don't know how I have the audacity to think this, because it's like not like I had done it before, but I'm like, I think I could dream up of a new feature for Chick-fil-A. So one of the things, and you're just, you're absolutely right when you talk about curiosity and learning. So Chick-fil-A has an innovation center. It's a 30,000 square foot facility. It's huge. It's called Hatch. And it's Chick-fil-A's Innovation Center. And so as a new person, I walked in and I was like, this is a fascinating place. Like, I've never seen such a, a dedicated commitment to innovation in any organization. Like it's a warehouse for innovation. But what was really interesting at the time was I didn't see a lot of people in the space. And I just, I was curious. So I was like, I wonder why that is. Because I just came from an organization, State Farm, where if space wasn't being utilized, the ad services team would put cubicles and put lots of people there and this space was like an anomaly from that background so I was like why why are there not so many people here and so I I asked questions and I did my own research and I started kind of understanding the reasons why because they you know that that building had moved recently so it was harder to find there's limited use cases why you would go and so I just one day I was like and I use this in some of the workshops that I have but I, I thought like I think there's a better way to incentivize or entice people to come to this place because to me, innovation is, is done through people. And if I'm not seeing people here and it's the innovation center, then at least as a new perspective, what innovation is happening. So I just wanted to answer that question for myself. And I did all this research. And then I I, I came up with a, a design, a new design for the Innovation Center. And I've never done this before. <laughs> like, I just thought, I'm like, well, I'm like, I saw this movie called The Field of Dreams when I was a kid. And it's like, basically, this guy had the same thing. He's like, if I build a baseball diamond in my backyard, kids will want to come play baseball. And so I thought the same thing. Like, if I created this amazing Innovation Center for this, the employees to come, they want to come and then I'll see innovation start to thrive and all that. And that's what happened. Like I, I I thought of like merging what they were currently doing. So it's, at the time, Hatch was an innovation doing place. So if you had an idea for to prototype something, it was like, you could go there nobody would know what you're doing. And you have like safe space, you could do whatever you're doing and nobody would bother you because they don't know you're working on it, right? And there were small groups, that, small teams that had space there. But other than that, you wouldn't have a reason to go. And so I'm like, well, what if you could learn about innovation at the space and then do it so you could learn it and then do it literally and literally move through the different steps in innovation in in like and learn as you go along and then do it. So it's like a hybrid learning, training, doing kind of spot. And because I was a designer, I'm like, I'm like, I need more mood lighting here, like more colorful lights. And we need more textures. We need more like graphic design. We need all these fun, playful elements to make it really interesting because it was more warehouse looking like it was white and gray palettes. And I'm like, as a creative person, I'm like, white and gray just doesn't really stoke the creative fires in me. And so how do we introduce like lighting and colors and textures and all these other elements to make it really a, a creative place where people really enjoy coming? So I this was out of curiosity. I'm like, that's what came out of it. And so that was one thing to do it. And I I started using Hatch as kind of like, if you want to do innovation, learn about innovation, you come here. So then I started holding events like once a month, I started holding events and then became up to three times a month, I'm holding events. So if you wanted to learn anything about innovation, you'd see me there and I'd be talking about it. I'd, I'd have talks, I'd have you do exercises, I'd have speakers, I'd have all sorts of things for you to learn. Because I thought in order for a culture to be innovative, you have to learn how to be innovative. And I think we we think innovation is like this thing that it's just magical thing that nobody can learn. Like we all want it, but we can't get it. And I'm like, no, there's literally, it's not magic. It's, it's a, It's a buildable skill set. And I'm like, I know I've learned how to do it. I mean, so I can teach people what I've learned how to do. And so that's kind of my approach. I just kind of taught people everything I knew.
0: Yeah. Oh, wow. I I think you had a lot of great points there because I feel like a lot of people, they put themselves into different buckets. Like, am I a creative person or am I not? Right. And it's easy to think that you are not a creative person if you don't have the opportunity to go out there and learn how to be creative and learn how to be innovative. So they automatically assume like, oh, I'm not creative or I'm not innovative. And I think it's because they just don't Get the opportunity to go out there and learn how to be creative. Yeah, and I think that's that's one of the things that I wanted to ask you is, you know, what is your perspective on that? Do you believe that everyone can be creative, and that people who may not find themselves to be creative be able to develop that skill set later on if they invest in learning it, or do you believe that you know certain people are just naturally more creative than others? And that could also be true, but I want to know from your perspective on what that might be.
1: Yeah, I, I believe that anybody can be an innovator. I think there are people that have sort of, like you said, like predisposed dispositions towards it. Like, honestly, like being a learner and being curious is one of those things. But anybody can learn the skill set if you have a desire for it. And honestly, it's just like learning anything, just like reading, as we learned, everybody learned how to read as when we were kids, right? So we all learn, we can learn to be innovative. And I do believe that we're all creative. I just think we, we, tend to use that word only for we tend to reserve for the arts like the music the writers the designers the filmmakers all those types of people but i'm like if you cook i think it's highly creative you know my wife i don't know if she would call herself creative but like when she's in the kitchen she's like trying out spices and smelling things and you know it's innovation like it's it's creating a new thing right and so we we actually do it more often than we think we just we, we tend to label the word innovation to these really big things like, fly, you know, Elon Musk and flying us to Mars. Like, yes, is that innovation? Sure it is. But it doesn't have to be these really grandiose, large things. I think it happens in our everyday like i'm sure if you if you can think differently about something if you've changed the way you've done something to me that's innovation that's creativity so it's more it's more present in our daily living than we realize and i think a lot more people are innovators and they just don't realize it can they hone the skill set absolutely but i think they're already doing it they just don't realize it
0: yeah absolutely yeah i think you brought up a really important topic that Every industry or everything that you do requires innovation, requires creativity, yeah. and it's not something that we think about often. Because we, it, you're right. Like when you think of creativity, or you think of, oh, I'm a creative. You think, oh, I'm in, the, I'm, I'm in the arts, or I'm a musician, I'm an artist. But honestly, as if you're an entrepreneur, or even even if you're a professional yeah. working nine to five, that also requires creativity and that also requires innovation. So yeah. everything requires innovation, but it's not something we think about that often. Okay, yeah. so. I do want to talk about Abound Innovation. Tell us how you decided to start Abound Innovation and what when you decided to start it, were you still at Chick-fil-A or was it after? Tell us what that process was like.
1: Yeah. So I've actually always wanted to be an entrepreneur. Like it was, I, so I was a person that always could see new things. Like I, I would always dream up of new ideas. Like I'd be walking around the grocery store. I'm like, you know what's really dumb? I'm like, why is it so hard to find stuff? Like this was like 20, 30 years ago before they have like the GPS inside grocery stores. I'm like, wouldn't it be cool if there was like an in store GPS where it'd be like, I want cilantro. Like, and then it just tells you where to go. I'm like, that makes so much sense. So I've always had ideas like this, but then I never did anything with it. So I, 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 what I realized about myself was I was afraid of the financial risk of entrepreneurship, but I had the heart of an entrepreneur. And so I found my, my magic sauce at the time was being in corporate innovation because I was a corporate entrepreneur. So I had financial stability. <laughs> I had corporate money, <laughs> stable job and could still explore out new ideas. And so I think I've always had the desire to be on my own, but I just never had the guts. So, so anyway, so I, I, I actually did not want to leave Chick Fil A. I was I was such a fan of my job, great organization, incredible job. Like it was an incredible thing. But during the pandemic, uh, there were some personal things that changed for my wife and I, and so we decided to move home to Toronto. Uh, and so, unfortunately, I wasn't allowed to work remotely uh, here in Canada for Chick Fil A. So I decided to find found my own business about innovation, and you know, fortunately, Chick Fil A became a client of mine. So. And the reason, that, so the word abound, actually, if you don't know what it means, it's, it's the word abound is an environment where things are thriving. When you have too much of it, it's an, an abundance. And I, and I actually really think that that's what innovation should be in all organizations. We should all have the ability to have an abundance of innovation wherever we are. And if we train our workforces, if we train our staff and our people with the skill sets, then we can actually have that. And so that's really, because what I saw at Chick-fil-A was I, one of the programs I led at Chick-fil-A was uh, these group of innovation coaches. And these were like regular everyday employees that I turned into confident innovators. And they actually, (laughs) one of them called themselves a mini Leo, which is hilarious. But it's like what she learned from me was how to innovate. And what she did, was she applied, what she learned from me in her day-to-day life, day-to-day work. And she championed in in her team and her department so that people then would go to her and ask her, hey, I need to innovate, what do I do? So she was was in some ways a copy of me, but it was really cool to see people learn this new skill set because people would come to me at Chick-fil-A and they're like, it's really interesting, this innovation stuff. Like, how do I learn more? And I'm like, well, hang out with me and become an innovation coach. Like, what's that? And I'm like, it's the program that I run. I literally teach you everything I know. I pour into you innovation, development, skill set, mindset, like everything. And you two can come in and be like, really? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, it's free. I'm like, all you need is your boss's permission. You come hang out with me. And they're like, oh, this is amazing. Like I had one young lady And it was her birthday. And I told her it just happened to be her birthday with the day we met. And she was telling me, she's like, This is literally the like this is the best birthday gift I have ever received in my life. She's like, I'm gonna ask my boss, I'm sure it'll be fine. And she was like, she was freaking out. And I saw I literally saw the power of turning people onto this concept of like you two can innovate, and I will be your guide and I will teach you all these things. And so that's what I do as my business as a bound innovation is to really teach all the things about how to be an innovator, the skill sets, the mindsets, because again, it's, it can't, you can have it in your organization. You just need the right, you know, the right person to teach you and guide you through the journey. And you can really have it. Cause I, I saw so much transformation in all these people. Like I had up to 85 people under me at one time and I was teaching them all this stuff. And they were like, they love this. Like one of the one of the people too she was she went on maternity leave and she was like i'm not going to miss my job i'm going to be missing innovation coaching with you that's what i'm going to miss the most." i'm like i'm like that's so i'm like that's amazing I'm like that's that's incredible mm-hmm. <laughs> i like this is blowing my mind and so I, that's what that's what I want for all organizations is to see innovation thrive. And you know what? when people see that their ideas matter and that they can make them happen, like it they're so happy. and it's amazing for them. So um that's that's what I do. I, I bring the innovation skill sets and mindsets to, to organizations.
0: That's incredible. We need that at all companies. and I, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's sad to think that not all companies have that, you know, and I think it's so important. and I think that people are so excited about about innovation because, you don't really get that opportunity at every company that you work for. And it's something new and exciting. And you don't realize that it's something that's really needed for you to constantly adapt and grow. If you don't have that in front of you, you realize, or you just kind of stay stagnant, right? And you think, oh, maybe this is the way it's supposed to be. Maybe I just have to find innovation within myself, right? Or you know, just if I'm not creative, then I'm not creative. But that's not true. Like you have to go out there and actually find opportunities for you to learn how to be creative. And I think that's something that's so needed within all organizations. But, you know, sadly, it's, I don't think there's, I think there's a lot of companies that don't even realize that that's, that's really needed.
1: Yeah, I think uh, my, my hypothesis is that we organizations prioritize or say they want innovation so we when we say that i feel like we say we want the ideas that come from innovation we want the the high revenue like billion dollar ideas whatever right but we forget that it's people that create innovation and the your people are your greatest assets in your organization so if you focus on teaching them and building them up then the innovations will come but people focus on the output and not the person creating the output and i think for me like people would ask me, like, what what were the outcomes of you know, the innovation coach? I'm like, we transform people's lives. Like they now call themselves innovators. That like I don't even care what the output of what they do is because I know when you think differently, when you have all these entrepreneurs and running around your organization thinking like, oh, we can change this, we can do this better, like this can be better, and they're constantly doing that. The output comes in spades, right? But we forget that focus on your people, focus on developing them, giving them the skill set. And people are actually a lot happier <laughs> because, like, they're so happy. They're like, "Wow, I, you know, I created this idea. It's in the market, whatever, right?" And they get to see it come to life. And people want to see that. Like, people don't want to come to places where they're told no, they they can't innovate. You know, you're not allowed to do this. We have to do it the same way. When you probably have all these great ideas that you really want to see implemented, right? So, I think it, it 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 gives you job satisfaction. It gives you more retention. It gets you more like all. of There's so many benefits <laughs> innovation.
0: Oh, absolutely. absolutely. I definitely agree. So can you walk us through some of the things that you typically look for when you're identifying future innovators? I just want to understand like your thought process and how you typically coach them when they come onto you to in- about innovation.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I think one of the greatest things is it actually goes back to what you had mentioned at the start, like a, a propensity to an openness to want to learn right? And being open, being open actually is a really important trait for people to start being innovative. So, you know I've been in this field for a really long time, but I still always feel like I can learn more like I can I can learn from this conversation with you. I can learn from a student that I can learn from a young child like I, I feel like I can learn from anybody and I think it's really critical for us to have that kind of mindset because the, the, when we close our mind and think we're an expert or like I don't need to pay attention anymore we miss so many opportunities. So I think the one of the traits of someone that wants to be an innovator, is, is openness, a learning heart and being curious, just like, oh yeah, tell me more about that. And I feel like we can always level up. So I think that's a really important part. And another really interesting thing I think with innovators is, or people that want to become innovators, they're very relationship oriented. Um, And it may sound kind of counter to intuitive, but it's something that uh, shocked me when I went into the innovation field. I was like, oh, I never, I never realized how important your relationships are with people in innovation, but You know, in in reflection, it makes a lot of sense because innovation changes things and it disrupts, you know, the status quo and it's different from every day and for, and humans don't like change. (laughs) So... If I if I went to you Maggie and like hey Maggie, uh, I got this really great process for you to implement and you know it's gonna like save you time but you've been used to doing this for like what twenty years you are like I'm not really, Leo. <laughs> but you know you're not gonna want but if you if we were we had a good relationship I'm like you know what I'm like I believe it's gonna work it's gonna save you time you might be like I trust Leo so even though what he's saying to me might disrupt what I'm doing I trust him so I'll be more willing to see and try and have an open mind to innovation. And so relationships are so critical innovation in, in this world of innovation because we have to establish trust with each other so that when we are disrupting things, we can lean into each other, have these really open and honest conversations. Like I had people, like I facilitated innovation workshops a lot too. And people were like, I know Leo's gonna do these crazy exercises. It's like it's gonna be really different, but I trust him to, that he's doing something that will lead us to a better outcome. So trust is a really important part in innovation that I don't think is really talked about, but it's really important for us to, to care. And it's, you know, innovation, it's all about humans, right? We're, we're innovating for humans. So we really need to consider one another and, and have that as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And when you're yeah. dealing with, you know, innovation, when you're trying to make change in a company, you really have to put yourself in very uncomfortable positions. Yeah. Right. And I think that goes a lot into that relationship building. You have, you really have to put your trust into the person who's trying to show you what you can do to get to the next level for your business. And that just also goes back to, you know, when you're dealing with change within an organization, it's not. It's usually it deals with a lot of people at the organization, It deals with a lot of relationships, It deals with a lot of connections. Right. And you really have to put a lot of trust in other people and yourself as well when you're going through so many changes. And you mentioned, you know, when companies are kind of when they're when they're not really when they're reluctant to change. Do you think that is the one biggest thing that keeps a company from building a thriving culture of innovation? In your perspective, what is that one biggest thing that keeps a company from doing that?
1: Yeah, I, I think I think one of the biggest, the hardest roadblocks for organization is that they think innovation is a is like an add-on. It's like something that you can do when you have spare time, or you have margin, or you have extra budget. It's like this bonus thing that you sh- you should you can only do if you have time. And and businesses are too busy currently putting out fires and all this kind of thing. So I don't have time to innovate right now. And I think it's also because innovation is the big eye, right? We have to send people to Mars, right? We have to you know, create abilities to breathe underwater for the rest, you know, really big eyes. Whereas innovation needs to happen in our everyday and innovation when it happens in the everyday actually creates more margin for you. So all those big fires don't become fires anymore. You can focus on it. So, so companies need to, Actually, make an intentional choice to prioritize that we need to innovate right now. We need to innovate the day-to-day minutia so that we can get ourselves more margin, that we can think more creatively, and we can think about you know the bigger eye innovation. Because the thing is, other companies that are smaller that are newer that are more nimble will be able to innovate faster than you can and disrupt your, your industry and your marketplace. And and we don't realize that like, we're like, Oh, I'm big company. So-and-so I've been around for 50 years. Well, guess what? There's competitors that have new tech that have smaller teams that can have less drag organizational drag that can make faster changes. And it's scary because now we're a global, we're really a global economy where companies from any parts of the globe can disrupt what you're doing. When I was at state farm, there was this really tiny, so State Farm in the U.S. is one of the largest not auto insurers. So like pretty much you have like a one in two chance of hitting a State Farm insured if you're an insured. And there was this really small startup at the time called Metro Mile. There were these like two guys in a garage that found a technology plat. that created a technology platform, but they developed usage-based insurance. So this was like, you know, if you drive five miles, we insure you for five miles, right? And it makes sense, right? State Farm at the time when I was there, they were like they weren't really interested in thinking about you know that type of space because they're the largest national auto insurer, right? But these this company was started making waves. Like they were they they got into more and more states. Like I became a Metro Mile <laughs> insurance customer myself because I'm like this is a disruptive model. And actually, I'm saving a my insurance was like four hundred dollars a year. It was insane. It was so low. And so like I I pivoted. <laughs> I worked for State Farm over to them, and then eventually they're like oh. Crap, this is like a pretty competitive. And there were two guys that had no insurance background that created this incredible startup. And like those, those are the kinds of companies that exist today that can disrupt you. So if we don't prioritize innovation right now because it's a nice add on, I mean, you're going to, the, the competition will either eat you alive or you're going to become irrelevant really quickly. And so the time to innovate for all organizations right now is now. And I think the pandemic really shows us that we have no idea what could happen in our future. And if we're not prepared for those things, which is innovation, then we, we're we literally in trouble. And we don't want to see the org- all these companies closed down or mom and pop shops shutting down because we weren't able to think differently about our work, right? Innovation allows us to think differently about our work and pivot and adjust for a changing dynamic you know, marketplace and environment.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like with a lot of big organizations that have been around for a longer time, they also have, you know, legacy processes, legacy yeah. systems that they're not willing to change because, you know, it's always worked. This has always worked for us in the past, so there's no need to change these processes. But, you know, you're right. These startups, these small startups even like two people teams, like they are coming up with the cre- most creative ideas and, you know, being super innovative because they have the ability to do so. You know, they're just going into the market with brand new ideas, something that no one has ever done before. But, you know, sadly, that's how they beat out a lot of these larger corporations. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. There's some really scary stats, like fortune 500 companies back in the day, they used to Uh live for like 70 years, but now they have a lifespan of less than 20, which, which is crazy. Right. If you think of like all the big companies today, lifetime of 20 years like that's that's insane right or there's all these statistics now that you see all these large companies just being kicked out like you know we all know the blockbuster and netflix example right blockbuster actually had the opportunity to buy netflix like netflix actually went to them and blockbuster was like oh you're a cute little niche market little thing and you're not making any money so it's like you know go away what happened what's blockbuster right and people don't look that's what happens and so i mean that's a really large story but blockbusters was huge it was like in i think 80 countries around the world they had like seven thousand stores and this little little netflix <laughs> that's what happens
0: yeah, absolutely. And you just have to see, you know, like you have you really have to see where the times are going, you know, with technology yeah. at the time, you know, Blockbuster was really big, but yeah. I think they missed such a big opportunity because they weren't able to, you know, kind of predict and and just, you know, see into the future to to actually realize that, you know, technology is getting really big. And maybe Netflix is going to become a really, really successful thing. But yeah. Okay, so I do want to shift the topic a little bit and talk a little bit about you as an innovator yourself and someone who coaches innovators. Do you ever run into creative roadblocks? And if so, how do you overcome them?
1: Yeah, so yeah, all the time. Yeah, I think it's really important to never feel like I think this goes back to the learning conversation and just being inspired. Like, I I think it's natural for us to hit walls. I know when I was a designer, I hit walls all the time. Actually, I still use design now in my, in my practice, but it's just part of it. Like we're, we're not always going to have the million dollar ideas or the things that are really going to move the needle forward. So I think it's, some of it is just giving us permission to be like, this is just naturally part of the process. Like we do hit creative blocks. We do hit creative walls, but I think what happens for most people is that they don't know they can do anything about it. So if I am feeling like creatively burnt out or like, let's say my ideas don't feel as creative as before. I have to look at like, what am I doing? Am I, is my schedule too busy? Do I have too many meetings? When's the last time I went for a walk or went out to play or just have fun and just do something kind of enjoyable that, that kind of helps give me a creative reset. So I find when I, I have hit those types of things, I need to, I actually intentionally will go do other things. Like I'll go play a video game. I'll, I'll watch, uh, I don't know. I'll go for a walk outside. I'll go to a place that I find inspiring. Like I'll sit by the water and the lake, or I'll listen to music that I think is interesting, or I'll do something to kind of feed my brain with new inspiration. Because often we think like, if you just keep banging your head against the wall or like, it'll eventually come. Like, I, I mean, you can try that, but it's pretty frustrating. <laughs> so doing something else actually is good. And we often, you know, you, ha- you have that, you have the, heard that saying, like the best ideas come when you're going for a walk or in the shower. It's because we've given our mind space to think. And, and so going and literally doing anything else actually gives us room to think differently. Or like, you know, back when the day when we used to drive to work, that commute actually gives us br- our brain space to wander around and think about different things. So if you find yourself in a creative block, go do something that you might find invigorating for your creativity. If you find yourself like if you really like a certain type of music, then go listen to some music or playing a video game. is helpful. Go play some video, watch a movie, like watch Star Trek, (laughs) like do something that will help nurture your creativity and nurture yourself. That will actually really help a lot.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that's exactly why a balance is so important. And, you know, people are always constantly telling us that we need to find time to watch out for our health as well, because I think the hustle culture, you know, it can become very, you know, toxic when we're constantly being told we have to like work harder, work faster, but that doesn't give us time to really reflect and see how we can improve ourselves and our business, right?
1: Yeah, ideas actually really they actually need time to form in your brain. So if your brain is full like over capacity and full, ideas will just be like I wanted to visit Leo today, but he's too busy, so I'm going to go over to Maggie. Let's see if Maggie's free. Like oh, Maggie's free, I'm going to go somewhere else. So we actually need the ability to have margin for ideas to come sit with us and visit us so that we can then like write them down or actually do something with it. If we don't, they're I mean, they're not going to come see us.
0: (laughs) Right, right. Absolutely. So, Leo, what has been one thing that you learned about yourself since, you know, you started this journey in innovation and just being, you know, creative and starting about innovation? If you could, you know, hone in on one thing that you learned about yourself, what would that be?
1: Hmm. I think something I've learned about myself is how much I enjoy like giving this to others, like, like helping other people find this in themselves because I I think I'm, I I feel very blessed to have been able to work in areas that, you know, I've been in creative places. I've been a designer. I've been in innovation in organizations. Like I feel very fortunate to have had this opportunity. I don't feel like everybody gets that. And so I think, I feel like innovation is honestly a gift to people because they they finally in some ways are able to connect a huge part of themselves that may not be fully utilized into something that they can use every day because I get to do this every single day. I get to think differently about things and teach others. And so I, I think I really realize this real passion in my heart to to train people and and empower them there was a, there's one young lady I met, which I've, I, I was really impressed with how she described that. She was like, she's like, this is me. She drew a Venn diagram of herself, like her skill sets and she had a Venn diagram of herself at work. And she's like, for my entire life, it's always been separated. And she's like, I was always just hoping that like some points would like just bump and connect with each other like this. But she's like, until I met you and you talked to me about innovation. And she's like, now I feel like it's like this, like finally it's, my full self, my full passions, my skills, finally at work, and it can finally be the same thing. And I was just, I was blown away with that. And I was like, wow, like, I had no idea that I could have influence like that over somebody else and to show them something that they could literally use, right? She's like, I always thought I was like, this weird person, like, thinking differently, asking questions, like people are like, oh, you're that weird person, like, you know, rolling their eyes. And they're like, no, like, this is actually, I'm like, no, it's a good thing. I'm like, it's good that you see things differently. We need more like, and she's like, really? I'm like, Yeah. And so I think that it really ignited something at me that that I can I can help others see and and see better and, and apply themselves more at work. Like it's it's a real it's just in life. I think innovation literally changes your life. You can't separate like work and personal with with innovation because it literally transforms everything.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and. Leo, you're literally changing lives. And I think you're, (laughs) you know, you're the guy who turns on the light bulb for everyone's, you know, minds and thoughts and everything like that. And I think that's such an invigorating, you know, experience to go through because a lot of us, we don't, sometimes we never get to that, that level, right? Sometimes we just think like, oh, maybe this is just how things are. Maybe I'm just that person who is never creative, but you're that person who really turns on that light bulb for other people. So that's amazing. Thank you for all that you do.
1: No, oh, it's, <laughs> it's a pleasure.
0: <laughs> so, Leo, what is next for you in the next five years? What's your hope and dream for about innovation, and what do you have in store?
1: Yeah. Oh, wow. Five years. I one of my dreams is to become like the Brené Brown for innovation, or like the Canva for innovation. I want. I. I, I would love to see innovation to be something completely ubiquitous where everybody feels empowered and equipped to do innovation and it's, it's thriving everywhere. Like it's abounding everywhere because that's, that's kind of my dream because I I feel like it makes so much impact on people's day-to-day life that when they, again, they, you know, that Venn diagram, I don't, I can't describe it any better than that picture, but when people can do that, like everyone is, everything is better. <laughs> and when we can think differently about a work, it means that we're serving our customers better. We're serving everybody better. We're more fulfilled at work and all those types of things. Like, that's what I'd love to see. So I hope that I can get this to a point of scale where, you know, there's course digital courses, maybe, or like these different things that, you know, people can subscribe to because, uh, you know, and, and really make innovation into our everyday to move it from that big eye to a little eye and and having everybody empowered and equipped to do it. That would be my dream.
0: <laughs> yeah, very exciting. And no doubt that you will get there. If you, you do come out with an online course, I will definitely be checking that out. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so Leo, we have one last question for you. And that is, if you could give one advice for someone who's trying to create a safe space for innovation, what mm. would that one advice be?
1: Yeah, that's a that's a workshop I have. I'm very passionate with this particular topic. I, I always say that we actually have a lot more agency over that than we realize. So something that I realized I was doing for others was creating a safe space for them to explore innovation because innovation is a, I think it's a, it's exciting, but it's terrifying because it's like, I have no idea if what I'm saying is going to work. Like I literally have no idea. And so I need the, the, the safety or the if you can call it boldness or confidence to be able to step into that and see if it will work or not and if and I need the people that I work with that are around me to give me that permission to try and see and fail if it fails, succeed if it succeeds but give me the permission and the, the safe environment that I can go explore it, actually like the the chick-fil-A hatch Innovation Center it that result came because my boss was open-minded and allowed me the safe space to explore that because I did not have the credentials. I did not design an innovation center before, but he gave me the permission to explore it and gave me the, he gave me the budget. He gave me the green light. He told me to talk to the VP. Like he gave me the permission to explore that. So we, as as individuals or as leaders, we can actually create this for others. And one of the ways that I like to share with people how they can do this is really just actively listening and paying attention to when people are sharing something with us. So like Maggie, let's say you have this really, you're really excited about something you're like, Oh, Leo, I want to talk to you about this great idea. And I'm like, okay. And if I was like giving you a frowny face or like looking around while you're talking to me or like, you know, keep checking my watch. You'd be like, "What?" you would feel defeated and discouraged. And like, and you'd probably be like, I don't want to talk to Leo ever again. Right. And like, I need to lay aside any agenda that I have, pay attention to you, and lean into what you're saying. And, and it doesn't mean that I'm going to say yes to everything that you're saying, but giving you permission to explore that. And and one of the ways you can do that is just by listening to how people are, are saying things. So I discovered this about myself. Like, sometimes I'm about to share something and I shoot myself down as I'm saying it. So I might be like, Hey, Maggie, I have a great idea. And you're like, Oh, wait, nah, you no, know, never mind. And I'll like make a face. And in that moment, you could be like, Hey, Leo. I can see that you have an idea and you're like, why don't you tell me more about that? Like, explore that with me. And I'd be like, oh, okay. And then now you've just engaged me because I don't feel safe in my own space. You've engaged me to feel safe with you. And I'm like, okay, Maggie, well, you know, I'm thinking about this, right? And so it's really, if we really listen to people's language and and observe their eyes and their, their tone, the voice and all those types of things, we can actually... Uh, we have we actually are getting cues from them and we can create safety by listening, probing more, leaning in, like, tell me what you have, you know, like smiling, <laughs> you know, like encouraging it out of them versus just letting it go. And when often we can miss those moments where maybe, you know, I had a really great idea, but then I shut myself down or whatever, and then it's gone. And again, then that idea goes to somebody else, right? And so we can really literally create this for people by by being intentional about that.
0: Yeah. That's really, really good advice. And I think, you know, when you're giving an idea, when you have an idea that comes up and you want to share it with someone, you're being very vulnerable at that moment, right? Because maybe it's a good idea to you, but maybe it's not a good idea to someone else. And so when you're sharing it with someone, you run the risk of someone saying, oh, I don't think that's a good idea. But, you know, if you're able to be more calm, if that other person is like, oh, like I want to hear more about it, maybe it's not the best idea, but that idea can develop into something greater, right? Something that you both can agree on. so I think that's really, really good advice. So thank you so much for sharing that.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: absolutely. So Leo, where can our listeners find out more about you and about Innovation Inc. online?
1: yeah so you can go to aboundinnovation.ca that's the website and then for me i i'm on all things social so i'm at leo nelson Chan. i'm most active on linkedin i'm trying i'm trying instagram but i i put out a monthly newsletter if you're interested to keep in touch or just know more about innovation and creativity but i post a lot of my thoughts and musings on linkedin mostly try and expand to more social platforms eventually (laughs) but uh, linkedin is probably the best place you can connect with me
0: awesome we'll leave all of that in the show notes of this episode leo thank you so much for being on the asian hustle network podcast today it was amazing hearing about your story
1: yeah thanks so much for having me it was a a delight to talk to you today Maggie. (laughs)
0: likewise
1: hey guys we hope you enjoyed this episode please subscribe to the show
0: we would like to get to the top 10 on itunes so be sure to leave us a five-star review we release an episode every single wednesday so stay tuned
1: thank you guys so much